It's time for WAKR's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton, your home for copiers, printers, and supplies. This week, we're continuing our conversation about efforts to keep us all safe from hackers, criminals, spies, and all the other 'er ne'er-do-wells online who want to rip off our personal information, drain our bank accounts, or steal data they can use to harm our national security. While we focused last week on the state of Ohio's new program aimed at improving cybersecurity for local government, this week we're looking at what can be done to help those of us who are operating businesses and working in the private sector. To do that, we talked with Tyler Hudak, who's with Fairlawn, Ohio-based TrustedSec. TrustedSec provides a wide variety of information security services for companies worldwide, including cybersecurity testing, analysis, and program assessment. They also, of course, provide cybersecurity incident response and forensics, which Hudak oversees in his role as their incident response practice lead. One of the biggest things that we're seeing right now are supply chain compromises, where maybe an organization itself isn't compromised, but a trusted third party that they use, which could be a partner, it could be a supplier of services, they are compromised. There's a really good example of this that's been going on since the end of May with a software called MoveIt. MoveIt is a very popular file transfer software. A lot of organizations would use it to allow their clients to upload files, files that contain sensitive information to them. Well, the ransomware group CLOP had found what's called a zero-day vulnerability in it, which basically meant that they could access any file in any of these servers on the internet and take that data. At the end of May, during a holiday weekend, they started basically downloading everything that they could. Everyone didn't realize this until probably that Sunday or Monday. And so there were a couple of days where all of these organizations, all of these larger organizations had their data stolen. And since then, Klopp has been slowly releasing the data and extorting the victims out of money to prevent this data from being leaked. They probably have so much data that we're likely going to see new victims reported by CLOP that aren't paying them and them releasing their data for months now. In fact, there were, I think, about a dozen or two new victims that were released on CLOP's site this morning of organizations that they had uh, stolen data from. So the supply chain is a huge issue for organizations because you don't control your partner's security. You, You kind of rely on them to say that they have security and implement the security that they said that they have. There are definitely things that organizations can do about that. They can, when they are working with, setting up the agreements with the third party, making sure that they have breach contact clauses within their contracts so that if the supplier does get breached, the client gets notified within a certain period of time. You can do risk management, third-party risk management, where you're looking at the security of the organization, making sure that they have the security that they say they have, and so on. And then, you know, finally, just kind of monitoring what is happening out there, you know, what's happening with the organizations that you do business with to make sure that they aren't getting compromised, or if they do get compromised, that they're giving you the information as to if your data was at risk and and so on. But this is a huge issue for a lot of my clients right now. We're getting a lot of calls around this about what they can do about working through it to help them, if nothing else, interpret the, the information they're getting from their suppliers about a breach. So just to kind of clarify, let's say I was a, I don't know, a dairy company, and I had a supplier that used 
move it. And they stole a bunch of my data. And mm -hmm. so it had like my financials and passwords and stuff like that. And obviously I wouldn't want that out there. And they're threatening to publish it. Now, does the threat come in the form of ransomware that locks their systems down and they say they'll release the data unless you pay the money? Or does the threat come in some other way? Or are those two different things? I'm not really sure how that threat comes. And then sure. once it does come, what do you do about it? Sure. So interestingly, in the Move It case, Clop is a ransomware group. They have traditionally deployed ransomware. Ransomware itself has not been used at all in these attacks. It is a pure data breach where they have gotten in, they have stolen the data, and then they're extorting the holders of that data for money. We're seeing a trend where attacker groups are moving away from deploying ransomware and instead going to that pure data breach model because that's what companies are paying for. Companies are less likely now to pay for recovering their data because the protections around backups and the ability to recover has improved immensely over the last couple of years, so they often don't need to. However, they will pay to prevent their data from being leaked. So the attackers realize this, and, and that's what's happening in, in MoveIt. So what's happening is the ransomware group, PLOP in this case, they're attempting to extort the holders of the data, the, the organization that they stole the data from. So in your example, they would be going to whoever the dairy farm had uploaded their data to, because that's where they got it from. This poses a couple issues or risks to an organization uh, in this example, the dairy farm, because the dairy farm, they're not talking to the attackers. The attackers are only talking to the kind of trusted third party in, in the middle of this. And if the trusted third party doesn't pay to prevent that data from being leaked, then the dairy farm's data is going to get leaked and there's nothing that they can do about it. There may be contractual or legal things that the dairy farm could do to kind of force the supplier to either, probably not to pay the ransom, but more to recover funds based off of what was lost with the data being leaked and, and so on. But right now, the big issue is the dairy farm in this case, they have no control over what's happening to their data that has been stolen. They aren't talking to the attackers. They can only talk to their third party that was holding this data in the hopes that they do the right thing to prevent the data from being leaked. But in the end, if that third party can't pay the extortion amount, then that data is going to be leaked. And there's nothing the dairy farm can do about that. Another interesting aspect of this, which we have not seen yet, but I can see happening at some point is the ransomware group could start going after not only the organizations that were holding the data, but also whose data that was. So in this case, there's really nothing to prevent the ransomware group from going to the dairy farm and saying, hey, we stole your data from your supplier. They paid us. But if you don't pay us, we're going to release the data anyways. We haven't seen that happen yet, but I can't imagine that won't happen at some point in the future. So this is straight up extortion, and that's yeah. definitely a federal offense. So, 100%. but you never know where in the world these guys are. I mean, they aren't necessarily in the U.S. and within the purview of the FBI, even if the FBI could find them. I mean, maybe right. they're in like Malaysia or something. The FBI and other law enforcement agencies, and especially those around the world, they do work together to you know attempt to 
find the attackers to you know bring them to justice but it's not a quick process it's not an easy process uh, especially because you don't necessarily know where these people are and even when some individuals within these groups are taken down or arrested and kind of taken out there are others that are going to fill in their places or the rest of the people in that group are just going to basically go into hiding for a little bit and then spin up a new group so it's a very difficult problem for law enforcement to solve for really multiple reasons. And I think this is why even in the past year or two, we've seen government entities focus somewhat not on the attackers themselves, you know, arresting them, although they're, they're still doing that, but also moving to prevent the payment process from working. Because if the attackers can't get their money, then... In theory, this will diminish what they're doing and cause it to be less profitable and, and so on. Hmm, that's interesting. So how do they do that? I mean, I've heard, for example, like I know that Microsoft has been involved in things like where they go and they kind of hunt down these servers out on the web and they, mm -hmm. they shut those down. Is that the kind of thing that they do in terms of preventing the payment or is it something like they can somehow cut off the transfers between the banks and the attackers. I'm not sure how that would work. Those are a couple aspects of it. What I've seen government attempt to do in the last couple of years is make it illegal or have hefty fines around utilizing the kind of central locations that are used to pay. So, you know, when somebody extorts a ransom out of you in a data breach or a ransomware attack, you can't just go down and to the ATM and send them money or Venmo them money or anything like that. You have to use cryptocurrency. And there are certain uh, cryptocurrency exchanges that the attackers use because they're, in theory, more anonymous for the attackers. The government has attempted, uh, in some cases, to make some of those central exchanges either to take them down if they have evidence of illegal activities or even just make it illegal or more difficult for organizations to use those exchanges to pay the attackers. Okay. So that's the law and order kind of angle of it. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say this dairy farm, for example, they're your client and either their middleman or themselves, they get caught up in this and now their data's out there. Then once they call you and they're in a panic and they're like, oh my God, this happened. On the technical side, there are definitely some things that you can do. You know, anytime you have a trusted supplier compromised, you want to figure out what data did they hold of yours. Hopefully the organization has some type of data classification system so that they know that health information was being uploaded to this company or it was just orders or anything like that. So knowing what data the organization holds or where your data is stored at is very key to this. Not only that, there's always the chance that a third party could get compromised and that if you have connections into that organization, the attackers may tunnel their way into your environment through that third party. So in this case, the dairy farm, their systems could potentially get compromised from the trusted connection they have to their supplier. And so looking and figuring out what those connections are, and then looking at those systems to validate that there is not any compromise on those systems, that the attackers haven't somehow tunneled into your network from the compromised third party is also critical because you don't want to get into a situation where you know you had a, a third party of yours that was compromised and then all of a sudden the attackers are in your environment and unfortunately we have actually worked cases like that where where that has 100 happened and it has led to ransomware it has led to other compromises of data and, and so on so it kind of comes back to making sure that you have those clauses within your contracts so that a company if they are breached that they do have to notify you within a certain period of time
I guess what I'm hearing is, I mean, there's no way to completely shut down cybercrime. Things are going to happen. So the question is then what do you do once it happens? I mean, let's say that I was that dairy farm and somehow they got in my system. They could even like shut my freezers down or something, right? You know, from the outside, like, okay, we're going to cause all of the milk on your farm to go bad by tomorrow. If you had to give people out there advice, recognizing that there's no way to stop cybercrime from happening, what's the best advice on how to deal with it when it does happen or before it happens? Yeah. So there are definitely some things that organizations can do. You know, a lot of it comes back to making sure that they are implementing the security basics well, you know, making sure that they're patching their systems, that they have good authentication policies, that they're segmenting their critical environments from from everything else. So for example, if I'm a person in HR, I should not be able to access the critical systems that are controlling the temperature on the freezers for the milk, things like that. And then just kind of have things in place so that if something bad does happen, if you do have an incident, that you're prepared for it, either so that you have the capabilities in-house to be able to deal with it, that you understand what to do. You have an incident response plan that you've talked to all the right people about so they know what they're supposed to do and when and then how you're going to contact everyone. Or if you don't have the capabilities in-house, that you have somebody who you can go to to assist you. This could either be an incident response retainer, this could be cyber insurance, this could be a legal firm that specializes in cybersecurity incidents, but have those people that you can go to so that when something bad does happen, you're prepared for it, you can respond to it quickly, and the faster you respond to it, the sooner you're going to be back up and running doing normal operations again. That was TrustedSec Incident Response Practice Lead, Tyler Hudak. To find out more about TrustedSec and the services they offer, visit TrustedSec.com. And I'm Jean Destro. That's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. This has been This Week in Tech with Gene Destro on WAKR, brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton.